0: This is the Daily Podcast from St. Paul's Knightsbridge, an invitation to pause for not more than 10 minutes each day to think, to reflect and to pray. I'm Alan Guile, and this week, to celebrate the opening of Pantechnicon in Mockham Street, a fusion of Nordic and Japanese craftsmanship, to coincide with the signing of the Anglo-Japanese free trade deal, and to mark the first ever Japanese week on the Great British Bake Off, we're turning a little Japanese. Mono no Aware In Japan, for two weeks between the end of March and the middle of April each year, the blush-tinted blooms of the sakura, the Japanese cherry trees, erupt all over the country. Although the beauty of Trees in Blossom delights people all over the world, what one writer calls the annual pandemonium of pink petals in Japan is unsurpassed. Opinions vary about where to go to get the best view of the cherry trees, to paint the best picture of this unique phenomenon, but when I go, and I really now think it is more when and not if, I go. I know that I want to go to the Five Lakes, where I can see the cherry blossom in all its profusion, with Mad Fuji in the background. Read travellers accounts of their experiences looking at the blossom, and you'll notice one common theme. Not only is the blossom itself wonderful in its colourful profusion, but the beauty of it is accentuated by the sense that it is a fleeting phenomenon, here today, gone tomorrow. Ephemeral, we say, a passing glory. In Scotland as a child I learned many poems by Robert Burns, by rote we all did, including in my case the bawdy narrative poem Tamushanta, which wonderfully tells the story of an old drunk who on market day finds himself in the pub and is so happy there that time slows down and stops, so that he thinks neither of his grim-faced wife waiting at home to tell him off both for being late and for having had one too many at the pub. Burns describes her wonderfully as "'Gathering brows like gathering storm, nursing her wrath to keep it warm.' Nor does he think of the long scots smile that lies between him and his home. It's a rather silly poem, but I've always loved Burns' reflection on the way that time, when we are in certain moments, runs slow. And when we are caught by the anguish of knowing that we are so happy, and yet that this happiness cannot last. In one of Robert Burns's rare eloquent purple passages, he says this. But pleasures are like poppies red, You seize the flower, its bloom is shed. Or like the snowfall on the river, A moment white, then gone forever. Or like the Borealis race, That's the northern lights in the Scottish night sky, Or like the Borealis race that flits ere you can point their place. Or like the rainbow's lovely form, evanishing amidst the storm. The Japanese have a phrase, three words, that express this dual sense of being captivated by the beauty of things so that time runs slow, and simultaneously of being gripped by the anguish of knowing that this cannot last. Mono no aware. Fiona MacDonald translates it as follows. Mono no aware means literally the pathos of things or an empathy towards things, or a sensitivity to ephemera. The term, she says, speaks of awareness of impermanence, or the transience of things, and both a transient gentle sadness or wistfulness at their passing, as well as a longer, deeper, gentle sadness about this state being the reality of life. Mono no awari the ephemeral nature of beauty, the quietly elated, bittersweet feeling of having been witness to the dazzling circus of life and knowing that none of it can last. It is basically about being both saddened by and appreciative of transience. I remember many years ago talking to one of the great cathedral organists of England when I was not even yet in Oxford. It was all those years ago, long before there were any girls' choirs in cathedrals, but the idea was already being talked about, and we fell into talking about it in the pub after Evensong one Sunday evening. He was against it vehemently, this idea of girls' choirs. You see, he said, the thing about boys' voices is that they are ephemeral. A boy starts singing at six and he learns the trade and his art and he flourishes between the ages of nine and eleven and sometimes achieves at that tender age such accomplishment that it would stop your heart to hear the soaring voice in the cathedral. And the glory is the greater because you know it will not go on. It is ephemeral. The voice will break at twelve or so. Earlier now, he said, we're feeding them far too much. The glory is in the transience of it. Girls just go on getting better and better. There is no end for them. The Beauty of the Ephemeral in the Timelessness of the Cathedral Well, I'm rather struck by this idea of the ephemeral, the impermanent, and its connection to beauty, I think it's why I really don't like fake flowers, because although they're practical and sometimes so well made that you would hardly know the difference between them and the real thing, part of the beauty of real flowers is that the beauty fades. We have the beauty only for a while. We find that hard to bear We inhabit a world and an age in a world in which we indulge our fantasies by pretending and imagining that we can, by our own efforts, secure immortality and permanence, obsessed as we can be by the idea of our legacy, what people will think of us after we're gone, as if by building a library or endowing a building or screwing a plaque or carving our name onto glass or marble as a benefactor, we will somehow be immortal. And people do, and Thanks, heavens, for that delusion or illusion, because by it, many great and generous things are done or built or restored or set up. But facing into the transience of life, contemplating life's precious fragility is a wonderful spiritual discipline. It's connected to being able to be truthful and to let go in surrender, and I suspect it is a necessary step on the way to true humility. Rather than pretend we can secure immortality, there is great release and energy to be found in realising just how precious this short gift of life is and checking ourselves that we are celebrating its beauty and potential even as it passes. But fear gets in the way. We often prefer not to think about the transient nature of life. The idea of the end frightens us. In truth, we'd rather talk about anything else, wouldn't we? But if we are to be mature and true to ourselves, we ought, I think, to face into our mortality, because when we do, we have the chance of grasping the gift of life and using it as a gift. One of the ways we avoid thinking about transience and about our own impermanence is to fill our Christian talk with careless and unexamined talk about mortality and endless life with God in heaven, which of course is somehow our hope in Christ. But so often the way we talk about death and resurrection, earth and heaven, seems to suggest that there is no ephemeral quality to our existence here, only temporal continuity with God forever. I think that the careless contemplation of immortality and of heaven's timelessness can just be, as Marx famously said, the opium of the people, a way of dulling our senses and distracting ourselves from focusing on just how short and beautiful and filled with opportunity and potential this stay on earth is. This is not to say that we do not in Christ have hope, nor is it to say that death is in any way the end. But the careless and unexamined assumption that somehow it will all just go on the same on the other side, I think can have a hugely negative impact on our appreciation of the anguished beauty of being alive here and now. One famous theologian Karl Rahner was always keen to encourage his students to be honest and rigorous when thinking and talking about our future hope in Christ to see it as a period of time spinning on into infinity would be he said more terrible than hell can you imagine heaven however we are to think about it can't just be more of the same in any sense And if we readily retreat into thinking about unbroken temporal continuity beyond death, many people, if they're honest, find the idea of endless life unappealing. Mono no aware, the bittersweet contemplation of the beauty of the ephemeral. I've been thinking about this experience of time changing when we do stop and contemplate moments of beauty, and the ephemeral nature of our life, whether it is that moment with someone, or on a mountaintop caught by the momentary beauty of sun and sky and landscape, or perhaps when contemplating a sculpture, or an artifact, or a painting, or even a Japanese cherry tree in full bloom. Not only does time in those moments slow down, sometimes when we are caught by the agony of not wanting to lose that moment, time stands still. We step momentarily into eternity. And I wonder whether somewhere in this experience is a clue to what lies beyond our ephemeral existence that being confronted by God's perfection and beauty and knowing ourselves to be in closer union with God, we might not sense the desire to hold on to that for ever and not to let go. And in that moment of union with God might find time slowing and stopping. And might that not be what eternity is, the perfect rapture of being caught up in that moment, but then without any fear of losing what we have found. In the meantime, facing in to the ephemeral, the transient, the passing nature of things here in our human realm is a very necessary step to living more fully mono no aware